Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, as we uh, consider the uh, climate of the world in which we are living, it continues to be one of tension and turbulence. Uh, but we may we ever remember uh, be mindful of the fact that we don't have trouble because of God. Uh, rather, we have trouble in spite of God. And I submit to you that if God uh, was not the God that he is, I doubt that he would deal with humanity at all. Uh, but because God is who he is, uh, he desires and endeavors to save us from ourselves and everything that God is with us, he would still be without us. Uh, so it is by grace that we are saved and because of God's grace that we are blessed. Uh, the psalmist has declared in Psalm 136, uh, verses one and two, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. And we ought to be uh, glad that God is good, that he is a God of mercy, but may we remember that he is also a God of justice and judgment. Uh, but for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again this morning to the text that was read into our hearing uh, there in Psalm 119. Uh, now that's the long one. There, there are a lot of Psalms, but, but Psalm 119 is the long one, uh, the longest. Uh, some of the other ones are long as well, but Psalm 119 is the longest one. Uh, we want to look there again in Psalm 119 at verse number 49. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 49 in your Bibles, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Uh, based of the, on the words of the psalmist here in Psalm 119, we want to use this morning as a subject, hope from God's word. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Psalm 119, uh, the psalmist makes a great declaration of faith concerning the word of God and to uh, uh, appreciate what the psalmist says here and to be blessed by what he shares with us. Uh, there has to be a, a prior understanding of what the word of God is. There, there, there has to be some level of faith uh, already in God. You know, the Bible is it is not one of those books that uh, you let it sit on a shelf for years and then in a crisis you pull it out uh, and it just magically makes everything better. Uh, and the word of God comes to us today uh, in this book that we call the Bible. And there are many books in the world, but the Bible as the word of God it is a different book. You see, many books can inform, but only the Bible can transform. When we give consideration to the word of God in whatever form we may receive it, uh, but when we give consideration to the word of God, uh, the word of God is an active and powerful word. 
you remember the declaration uh, in Hebrews 4, verse number 12, uh, where there the Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents uh, of the heart. Uh, only the word of God is alive and active, but uh, uh, giving further consideration uh, uh, to the word of God, that the word of God is infallible, and so we are told in Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, uh, you remember the declaration there, every word of God is pure. And, you know, it's only God of which it can be said every word is pure. Uh, everything that God has ever spoken, everything that God has ever revealed, uh, everything that God has ever caused to be written is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And I like the, the, the counsel uh, uh, there in Proverbs 30, uh, because, you know, as people, we, we have a tendency to want to add something to what people have said. Uh, you know how it is. You're sitting through Bible class, and the teacher is making his point, and, and some helpful soul just feels the need to elaborate on, on what the teacher has said. But, but, but when it comes to God, the uh, uh, Proverbs warns that you don't want to elaborate on what God said. You don't want to add to what, has God, what God has said. When God has said something, he has said it as well as it can be said. And there's nothing we could add to God, uh, what God has said that would give it uh, more value. And it is evident from the words of the psalmist uh, here in Psalm 119, that he held the word of God to be active, powerful, and infallible. Uh, the word of God was the foundation of his hope. And, and when we talk about hope, it, it just always brings us back again to Romans 8, 24 and 25, uh, where Paul said, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? And, and, and when we uh, talk about hope, remember inherent in the word hope is that there is something desired, that, that there's something that I want, there's something that I need. But to say that there is something desired necessarily means that there is some period of waiting involved. And, and I would venture that to a person we all know what it is uh, 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 when we want something, that waiting can be difficult. Uh, you know, there, there are just some times and, and some things where we wait, and it, it just kind of influences you to want to murmur or, or grumble. Uh, you know, if and when I go to the dentist or the doctor, now, now I'll do the dentist twice a year. You know, I don't want to smile at anybody and all they see is gums. Now, now I, I don't do the doctor as regular as that, but, but, but when I go, I, I try to get the first appointment that they have available. And, and the reason I, I don't like to wait, I, I, I don't want to sit around in an office and, and I have an appointment at one and it's going on 125 before you call me into another room to do some more waiting. And it might be about quarter to two before you finally see me. Now, I'm not saying I always have something super important. It just, it can be difficult to wait. And even when we're waiting on God, 
uh, uh, sometimes it can be difficult to wait. I, I would venture uh, as we give thought to where we are right now in, in the year 2020, uh, I would venture that everyone is waiting for this coronavirus pandemic to be over. I, you know, there are some of us, I, you know, we just wish corona would go on somewhere and, and do something with itself. Uh, but I would venture uh, even farther that the more you want something, the harder it is uh, uh, to wait for it. Now, have you ever really wanted something? Maybe it was relief from adversity or pain. Uh, you, you ever had chronic pain and you just want the pain to go away? It, it can be hard to, uh, uh, to wait for chronic pain to be over. It, maybe you're going through a tough time and it, it can be tough getting up day after day. Uh, having to face those circumstances and, and, and all you want is, is some relief. And, and maybe you've gone through some adversity or some pain that's stretched on for a time. It's so much so that you began to have doubts and questions. Uh, you remember, that's what happened to Job. Job's adversity came and it just stayed around for a while. And, and it didn't help that his friends came and, uh, you know, his friends blessed their souls. Uh, uh, you know, they, they came with their advice and their counsel. And uh, you remember, Job just got to the point where he said, I, I wish I could plead with God uh, 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 like a man pleads with a friend. Uh, uh, and, and what we need when we get into those times where we're waiting and, and, and we just desire relief and, and, and we need something to help us keep going, what we need in such a time is something that will give us some stability. Well, when we look here in Psalm 119, and again at verse 49, the psalmist says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Now, the psalmist says, Lord, I want you to remember the things that you said to me. This is what I have put my hope in. His hope was in the word of God. But, you know, I don't want this to just be some of that religious speak, you know, where we say things that sound religious and, and then you go home wondering, you know, how is that going to make a difference in my life? Uh, how is it that the word of God uh, uh, causes us to have hope? Well, look with me, if you will, in, in your Bibles in Habakkuk chapter 2 and, and, and verse number 3. Now, I know it might take you a minute to find Habakkuk. That's not a book we reference all the time, uh, but it's back there. Uh, uh, in Habakkuk 2 and verse number 3, uh, there the Bible says, For the, the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, I believe that verse, in principle, is relevant to us today. If we understand what God is saying there in Habakkuk 2, God is saying, well, when it comes to my word, times may be discouraging and unsettled, and it may seem like I'm not doing anything, and I stress it may seem like God is not doing anything. You know, God is always doing something. He's always keeping the world uh, uh, in order. The reason we have uh, air every time we take a breath, because God is at work. So it may seem like I'm not doing anything, but don't murmur or, or grumble or fret. Even if you have to wait for what seems like a long time, grant me some loyalty, God is saying. 
it, it let my character and the things that I've done in the past speak for what I'm going to do right now. You've seen me bring my servants through before. It, it, you've seen that sometimes my servants had to wait for deliverance, but I always pick the right time and I always do things in the right way. So, so God is saying, even if you have to wait for a while, Grant me some loyalty, some, some trust, and, 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 and be willing to endure, and I'll bring you through. And when we have to deal with adversity or pain, relief may not be immediate, but God offers us at a minimum something that will keep us going. And, and as we give consideration to what God offers us here in, in Psalm 119, uh, observe the fact that the word remember occurs three times in this text. Now, in verse 49, the psalmist asked God to remember uh, the word that he had spoke to him. Now, it's not like God could forget anything. It is really a declaration of faith. The psalmist is saying, this is what I have to ride on, Lord. And, and if I can't ride on your word, then I have nothing else or no one else to turn to. But then in verse 52 and in verse 55, the psalmist talks about what he remembers, the things that give him hope. When we look at uh, 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 this uh, psalm here, Psalm 119, uh, is hope that will sustain us and give us stability. And the declaration of the psalmist is that, is that there is hope in God's word. And there's hope in God's word for a number of reasons. Look there in, in verse number 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. I, I submit to you that there's hope in God's word uh, because of God's promises. And, and you know, when you think about the promises of God, and, and we read in the word about the promises of God, God has made us some awesome promises. God has promised us some things that, that just ought to help us sleep better at night than NyQuil will. Uh, uh, you remember uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13, uh, where the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able to bear, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, now, there's some, some good stuff there in 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. First of all, God is faithful. You can always count on God to be God, to be the good God that he is, and he's always going to be the good God that he is. But then Paul says, and what God does with his children. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows knows my level of faith. He, he knows what I can handle and what, it, what he needs to give me to help me be equal to adversity. And, and it's as if God takes my faith and puts that on one side of the scale and, and puts adversity on the other side of the scale, but God always has it fixed so that my faith is going to be greater than the adversity uh, I have to face. You know, that's a huge promise there. Uh, it, it ought to help us go through life with some sense of calm and some stability, knowing that God will never uh, cause me to be uh, uh, faced, cause me to face something that is greater than the level of faith uh, that he's given me. And the thing that will sustain us and give us stability in the midst of adversity are the promises of God. Now, remember, hope means that I want it, but I don't have it right now. 
but because it's coming from God, it's as good as if I had it, uh, even though we're still in the future. And see, God gives us hope because he, he wants us to do better than just exist or, or just manage things or just make it. Uh, you ever hit one of those stages in your life where you were just in the run and you, you got up and you went to work and you did what you had to do to make it through the work day and uh, you know, you, you paid the bills and you ate, but you were just kind of going through the motion. Well, well, God wants us to live life on a higher level than just going through the motion, which is why God says, in me, you can have some hope. Just remember my promises. See, God has something better for us than just uh, waking up and trying to make it through another day. He wants us to awake uh, to each day with joy because I'm his child and to anticipate what might happen today because the possibilities are limitless when you talk about the power of God. And, and, and there's another promise that God makes to us that I like. Now, they're all good, but I, I want to point out the one in Hebrews 13, verse number five. Uh, the Hebrew writer says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Now, your conversation in the King James it is your manner of living, the way you live life. It, it, covetousness means I want something so bad, I'll do anything it takes to get it, even if I have to do wrong. Now, now when you reach that point, you covet something. You remember Achan, uh, when, when, when they uh, defeated Jericho, Achan said he saw some spoils and he coveted them. I know God said hands off because the first victory is his. I, I know God said hands off, but I want this stuff so bad, I'm willing to take it even though God said hands off. That's coveting. Well, the Hebrew writer says to us, let your manner of living be without covetousness. Yeah, you ever been at that point in life where you can't be happy with, you ha with what you have because you want something else? Uh, maybe it's a bigger house or, or, or a newer car or Lord have mercy, a different spouse, or, uh, you know, a job that pays more. Sometimes we just want whatever it is I don't have. That's what I keep thinking about. And, and you know, life has this way. When you finally get what you think you want, sometimes you realize all I did was I thought I wanted this. I should have been satisfied with what I had. But the Hebrew writer said, let your living be without covetousness and be content with such things as you had, for he has said, now here comes the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, that's just something comforting about having other people with you. Uh, you know, I look back through my life when I've gone through adversity, and, and, and the thing that made it bearable was having some other folk with me. You know, when, when you go to a funeral and you got to sit on that front row, that there's just something encouraging about seeing your brothers and sisters in the Lord there. Now, now they can't resurrect your loved one, but, but there's something comforting about, you know what, I'm not in this by myself. There are some, some folk that care about me, and, and because they care about me, they are doing what they can to, to help my burden a little lighter. You know, sometimes it can go even to things uh, that don't have the gravity of, of losing a loved one. I, I remember as a kid coming up, uh, you know, and I, I, I've said before, you know, I grew up in West Baltimore and, and proud of it, uh, but I had a paper route about, uh, I, I guess I might have been about nine, ten years old, and uh, the streets that I was assigned just seemed like all of them had a dog that would get after you when, when you came through the street. And let me tell you, that was a miserable job if I had to go deliver those papers by myself. 
But, but when I had my brothers with me or, or, or some of the other little boys from the neighborhood, now the dog would still chase you, but, but there's something about running from a dog with friends that just beat running from a dog solo any day of the week. Well, well, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Whatever I've got to go through in life, uh, uh, one of the comforting things is I'm never going through it by myself. At a minimum, it's going to be me and God. And, and if I can't have anybody else go through something with me, God is sure my first choice. The psalmist says, uh, my comfort in my affliction is, is that your promises give me life. I, I, I find hope, Lord, uh, in your promises. But then looking further at what the psalmist says there, uh, in verse number 51, the proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from, from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Uh, uh, there's hope in God's word uh, because of God's judgments. And, and, and when we say God's judgments, I, I mean not just God's law and order, and, and God is a God of law and order, but when we talk about God's judgments, it also includes God's actions. And, and we read in the word of God uh, uh, about the actions of God, about God's system of, of law and order. In, in Galatians 6 and verse number 7, Paul reminds us that God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. You know, when we look around uh, uh, in, in our world today, sometimes we wonder, uh, you know, it looked like folk getting away with things. We wonder why the righteous are oppressed and how people can do wrong and not have to pay for it. Uh, uh, see, and, and it's when we start thinking like that, that we need to remember God's judgments, God's actions, to keep a proper perspective of life. You know, it's easy to offer a, a critical analysis of someone else. It, it's always easy to sit, sit by the side and talk about what somebody should have said or what somebody should have done. Uh, you ever been in a position of leadership? You know, if you are ever in a position of leadership, and, and I mean, even if you were a mother or a father, maybe you never were a supervisor on a job, but, but have some children or be over a committee or something, and there will always be some folk who will offer a critical analysis of your performance. What you should have done was ABC. What you should have said was DEF. There will always be somebody that will look at what you said and somehow tell you how you should have done things differently or how you could have done things better. And if we are not careful, we find ourselves doing this with God. You know, despite uh, the circumstances and what things may look like, and you know, you have to be careful about what things look like because sometimes what things are and what we see are two different things. You know, we don't always see with clarity. But despite the circumstances and what things may look like, what we need to remember is that God is in control and God knows what he's doing. You know, we need to stop and ask ourselves, when was the last time I created a universe? When was the last time the whole world answered to me? And, and, and if I've ever created a universe, and if the whole world has ever answered to me, then, then maybe I'm in a position to give God some counsel on uh, what he ought to be doing in our world today. But, but until then, I don't qualify to tell God what he ought to be doing in his creation. 
You know, when I stand up in the nothingness of eternity and say, let there be light. Well, maybe I can be God's counsel. Maybe I can give God some advice about what he's doing. But remember, God is in control and he knows what he's doing. And I mean, God is in control right now. You know, again, this coronavirus pandemic didn't catch God by surprise. God saw it coming. God knew it was coming. God knows how long it's going to be here. And God even knows what's next. Well, why doesn't God answer all our questions? Did you hear what I just said? God is in control. See, when I'm in control, I don't have to tell anybody else why I do what I do. And, and if he told us, we might not like the answers that we got. Sometimes we just think we want to know things. But God is in control. And, and when we think about God being in control, uh, uh, and I got Galatians 6, 7 popped up there, and, and I actually want uh, 2 Peter 2, 9. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles over to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse number 9. But Peter tells us something there about God's action. Peter said, the Lord knoweth uh, how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust until the day of punishment, uh, uh, to the day of judgment to be punished. And, and what Peter is telling us, no one defies uh, of the law of God without having to pay a price. It, it might look like folk are getting away with things. It, it might look like things are not fair. But see, that's because God allows us to be here. See, God could put an end to every, every strike that exists in our world today if he wiped us out. You know, because all the strife we have is tied to man. You want to take care of all the world's problems, eliminate man uh, uh, from, from being part of the uh, creation. God knows what he's doing, and God is in control. And, and, and the psalmist says uh, back in Psalm 119, he said, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. And then in 52, I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. The psalmist just say, I, I just thought back, you know, about how you dealt with folk in the past. You don't ever just let things slide. Uh, you know, people have got to give an account for what they do. Now, I'm glad God doesn't get us on an item for item basis. Uh, can you imagine if, if you had to uh, suffer for every individual wrong thing you've done? But in the grand scheme of things, God knows what he's doing. God will make every wrong right, and, and God is in control. And, and the psalmist says, I just comforted myself when, when I think about your judgments, your actions. And then reading further there uh, in Psalm 119, verse number 53, the psalmist says, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. See, there's hope in God's word because of God's name. And, and, and we read of God's name uh, in the Bible, in particular, Psalm 20 and verse number seven. Uh, you remember David said, there's some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, when we say God's name, we mean his person, uh, his character, everything about God that makes God God. Uh, you, you ever watch one of those old Westerns and, and the sheriff would be chasing the bad guy and he'd say, stop in the name of the law. 
uh, in the name of the law, what the law has a name. Well, well, I don't mean the law has a name like Ricky is my name. I, I'm talking about all that the law stands for and all that the law represents and its authority. Well, when David says some trust in chariots and, and, and some in horses, David could have spoke to our world today and boy, we sure enough need to listen. Some are trusting in Republicans and some are trusting in Democrats, but we need to remember the name of the Lord our God. Remember, God is in control. God is the one that ultimately everybody is going to bow down to. It doesn't matter what men have to say about things. We've seen in the Bible, God has raised men up before to use them after his own purposes. You know, Pharaoh walking around like he's somebody big. You know, I know not the Lord your God. Neither will I let Israel go. Oh, yes, you will let them go, and you'll be glad that they're gone. And then the thing about it, you're going to try to chase them down, and God is going to reaffirm what he showed you in the first place. Uh, you remember Nebuchadnezzar out looking over his great kingdom and said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, have built this great Babylon, and God drove him from the throne and made him live like a wild animal. God is in control, and we need to remember the name of God. We need to remember God's uh, person and, and his character. You know, our mood and our outlook in times of crises is dependent on our hope. You know, right now, some people are at their wit's end because their hope is in something less than God. Some people's hope is in a vaccine for COVID-19. wins the election in November. But you know, our hope ought to be in God. It, it doesn't matter who they put in the White House. Now, now, I don't want just anybody in there like you do, but ultimately God is in control. Now, now they may or may not come up with a vaccine for COVID, but, but again, it, it's still well with my soul because God is in control. And, and when you know God, you embrace the fact that I don't get an exemption from adversity. See, when you know God, even though I'm God's child, it doesn't mean that I'll go through life trouble-free. What I do know is that I, I find comfort in the fact that even though I don't get an exemption from adversity, my, my preservation is guaranteed. Now, I, I don't know. Look, you can be safe as you want to and still catch COVID-19. I, I know some folks. I mean, wore masks and, and, and all of that, the hand sanitizer, washed hands, and still came down with, uh, uh, with the virus. Uh, uh, you can do the right thing and still have some unpleasant things happen to you. We don't get adverse uh, uh, exemption from adversity, but I ought to remember the name of God. See, God's power and God's character and his love ought to count for something. The, and, and those things give me reason to be sure where others die. What's the outlook for the future? Uh, uh, everything's gonna be fine. And why? Because God is on the throne and God reigns in the kingdom of men. We may go through some valleys right now, but ultimately God is in control of this thing. In, in Philippians 2, uh, uh, verses 9 and 10, Paul there declares, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. Paul is saying there, when, when you talk about the name of Jesus, when, when you talk about the name of God, God's name is supreme. Everybody's gonna bow down to God. 
And hope in Christ is greater than hope in anything else. You know, when you look at this world, it's just always going to be something going on. People say, no, it's sure something going on in 2020. When wasn't it something going on? You know, when you start to read the Bible account, it was something going on after God made Adam and Eve. And it's been something going on ever since then. You know, God created Adam and Eve, chapters one and two, and it was something going on in chapter three. And it's been something going on ever since. But there is hope from God's word. Because God is the God that he is. And he offers to us hope in Christ Jesus. And he offers us this hope by becoming part of his family through obedience to the gospel of Christ. And we obey the gospel, number one, by hearing the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried but raised the third day for our justification. Romans 10, 17, the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Having heard the good news that there is a savior, we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, according to John 8, verse number 24. We must be willing to repent of our sins. That means we turn from trying to be the shot callers in our own living, and we submit ourselves to the will, the will and word of God. Uh, Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. We must be willing to make the confession of faith that, that Jesus is the Christ, Matthew 10, verse 32, and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins, as the example we read uh, in Acts, the second chapter, specifically verse number 38. Uh, you remember they had asked the question what they needed to do to be reconciled to God. What did they need to do so that God could deal with their sin problem? In Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you keep reading there in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, those that gladly received the word were baptized, and those that were baptized were added by God uh, uh, to the church of Christ. And even after we're added to the church, God requires that we walk faithfully uh, after his word and will, that we live lives that bring glory to him. So we are told, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, we ought to live lives that uh, uh, show forth God's praise. Perhaps you're listening to this broadcast, you want to be baptized into Christ Jesus, or you want the church to pray for you. If either of those are the case, we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net, and we'll be glad to accommodate your request. At this time, we'll have the song of invitation. 